public restrooms. Some people love to use them. Some people would rather hold it in all day long than to sit on a toilet seat that was previously occupied by another person's butt. But today we're going to take a look at a sinister side of public public restrooms. From true crime to hauntings, these restrooms, yep, we're doing a whole episode on this, from true crimes to hauntings, some public restrooms tell tales darker than the darkest poop. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day, too. You guys are like, dude, this, you're not really doing a whole themed episode about this. Well, I am. I am. Okay? Still a little under the weather. The earache's gone. No sore throat. I still just got this cough. I've spent most of the day just kind of laying about. So you're like, oh, then that's why you're just doing... The- no, 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 no. I think this is a good... That's not an excuse. I think this is an interesting episode. Because I actually started off on one thing, and then I go, I bet you I can find enough... Toilet-related stuff. Good stuff. Good. Uh, trust me. This is a good episode. Okay? I haven't recorded it yet, but I know where this episode's gonna end. This episode's gonna creep you out. Let's get started with public restrooms. What are they? <laughs> you know what they are. I don't have to go over the... Webster's Dictionary defines a public restroom as a urinal. No. They're, they're places in the public where you go to the bathroom. But did you know? Let's start off. We're a conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime podcast. Let's start off with a kind of a conspiracy here. Some of you guys are going to be very, very familiar with this. Some of you guys probably won't be. But conspiracy, number one. I don't know if this is necessarily a conspiracy, but it may make you reconsider tapping your feet to a jaunty tune that you're listening to on your Walkman. Before Tinder existed, really, the way that you would have... Not Tinder. Before Grindr existed, the way you would hook up with other dudes is you'd go into the men's room and you'd sit down at your toilet in your stall and then you'd wait for someone else to sit in their stall and then you would tap your foot. Now, you'd have to tap your foot so the person in the other stall could see it, but if you tapped your foot, the other you'd wait a second, then you'd see if the other guy would tap his foot. Oh, now you think, maybe it's just a coincidence, so then you would... Move your foot a little bit over. This is how boomers hooked up in bath. This, again, before Grinder, you wanted to just blow a dude in the middle of the day. This is what you had to do. You would tap your foot. You're like, Jason, this isn't, a- <laughs> this isn't a conspiracy. It's a mating ritual for homosexual men. It's kind of a conspiracy. Hold on. This isn't the whole episode. The whole episode's not going to be dating tips from 1980s uh, that don't apply because you're not gay. And again, you can, if you were, you could just use Grinder. You would tap your foot back and forth, and then that way you would know that it wasn't a coincidence. And then one guy would stick his hand down, and then you go, okay, that's obvious. Because, like, let's say I move my foot, and then a second later you move your foot. That might be a coincidence. Then I move my foot, and you move your foot. Still might be a coincidence. Someone finally has to take the step to kind of put their hand down, and then you guys can start, like, you know, sticking your genitals underneath the stall. And get to work. Now, it, Now, obviously, obviously, very, very, very dangerous for two reasons. One, because there's more than two reasons why sticking your genitals into another man's stall could be dangerous. But the obvious ones is police, obviously. 
could be a setup. That was a big problem with gay rights in the 50s. They weren't... They were basically getting beaten up all the time. They'd go to a gay bar, and the cops would come in and just kick the crap out of all the men in the bar, and then they'd go home, they'd be all bruised. Their wives were like, what What happened to you? And they're like, uh, invented a sport called UFC, and then I engaged in it, and I got beat up, I don't want to talk about it. Or they would be, uh, get caught cruising at, at bars. There, you know, it's funny, you talk about, we always talk about, like, lost media and stuff like that. There is a very famous underground movie, I think it starred Al Pacino, called Cruisin'. It was about a, a detective, a police detective, has to go underground into the gay leather community. I think it came out in like the 70s or 80s. And he's hunting the serial killer, so he has to go undercover in the gay community. He volunteers for that assignment. He's like, I'll do it, Sergeant, me, me, me. And they're like, uh, yeah, sure. You don't. You, you have your own leather uniform. I, 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 sure, you can do it. He's like putting on his assless chaps to work. Now he's like, finally, I can use this. Anyways, that movie apparently has, it was shot, I've never watched it, I heard it's fairly gritty, but 15 minutes was had to be edited out of it, because it was just super, like, for, like, the early 1980s to have, like, this super fetishized gay community stuff, freaked a lot of people out, they, they took 15 minutes out of it, and it's been lost to time, the footage has absolutely been lost. James Franco made a movie about the 15 minutes? I don't know. It's all weird, but he made a whole movie where he reenacted the 15 minutes or something like that. I don't know. I've never seen it. It's nothing that I've been particularly interested in. I just know about it. So anyways, what we're talking... Oh yeah, so gay dudes used to get beat up and they used to get arrested for pulling their pants down in bathrooms. But the whole thing with like tapping your foot, I don't... Again, I don't know if people do that today. But I remember, it didn't happen to me. I was like, hum da dum da dum like stamp my foot. Oh no, I draw, I'm playing, I'm playing a, what's that game called? Jacks. I'm like throwing the ball down and picking up the jacks and they see my hand go down and next thing I know. No, 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 that didn't happen to me. But I was aware of it. I was aware of this stuff. Because you go into a bathroom, there's glory holes, right? You're like, Jason, what bathroom are you going into? You're basically going into the bathroom from It's Always Sunny. No, like, you'd go to bathrooms in bad parts of town, or sometimes even good parts of town, and someone would drill a hole through the wall, or through the stall wall. Again, highly dangerous. I wouldn't do it. Because, one, the cop... One, I'm not gay. That's a big one. Two, the cops, like, if you were, the cops are on the other side. Three, what if you misinterpreted the signals, and you stuck it in, and then the dude was, like, reading a book... And he was playing jacks, and he saw his hand go down, and he's like, ah. And then you got a fight on your hands. So there's another really good reason not to do that, but we're going to save that for the end of the episode. So I want to end this on... I'll end the episode with that story. So anyways, that's kind of a <laughs> that's kind of a conspiracy theory, right? I think it is. I think it's a kind of a hidden culture. It's a hidden culture. I bet you guys never knew that. Some of you might have, but I bet most of you guys never knew that. That for a good period of time in at least American history, I'm sure it was also throughout... Other parts of the world. If you tapped... It was basically like, you know, in Indiana Jones, how they go into that place and they have that giant stick and the sunlight, like, hits the stick and Indiana maneuvers it and the beam's like... And then once it hits that certain thing, it opens a doorway. And you, you had to do a certain series of maneuvers, of rituals, 
to like start banging a dude in the next stall. So it's kind of like Indiana Jones, except far more dangerous. So let's go ahead, though. We're not just going to talk about that the whole episode. <laughs> to the people who are just continuing to listen to it, they're like, I'm not going to listen to this for 35 minutes. I'm not going to listen to Jason with his stuffed up nose talk about secret symbols. I always thought it was weird, though, because that's definitely like a secret society, right? Let's talk about uh, ghosts in bathrooms. Let's talk about ghosts in bathrooms. Now, it started off, I was reading this article uh, by Brent Swanser called A Survival Guide for Encountering Japanese Bathroom Spirits. So I want to give credit to him. It's from Mysterious Universe. Got a lot of this information from this. There's actually more haunted bathrooms than you would expect. Now, we got two different types of haunted bathrooms. We got uh, Western haunted bathrooms and then the Japanese ones, right? The, the big old Japanese weirdos. Now, one of the Japanese haunted bathrooms, I actually covered... I'm pretty sure I covered this on a past episode, so we're going to breeze through this one as a quick overview. Some of you longtime listeners may remember me talking about a girl named Hanako of the Toilet. If you're a ghost and your nickname involves anything close to being a toilet, you've failed at being a ghost. You fa- That's the least frightening... Well, you know, the one thing, it would be the least frightening thing, but I-, I think in a lot of ways, and we'll go through this more, bathrooms might be the most terrifying place to be haunted. You don't want to be a bathroom ghost because then other ghosts are going to make fun of you. But you definitely, I'd rather be trapped in a haunted house than trapped in a haunted bathroom. Hanako of the Toilet, what it is, it's a little girl who wears World War II clothing. Which I kind of scratched my head. I don't know if she's wearing a little... I, didn't the Japanese kids always wear like the schoolgirl outfits from like anime? Like post and pre-World War II? I don't know. Like I don't know what they were wearing before it. But anyways, apparently she was wearing World War II clothes. I don't know if she's like in a little uniform with a sword, but with her, you actually have to summon her. So you go to the third floor of a building, you go into the girls' room, you go to the third stall, and then you go, that's you knocking. Are you there, Hanako-san? And then you'll hear a little girl go, yes, I am. And then she either, you either open the stall and there's a little creepy girl standing there. Or she opens the stall and she drags you into the toilet, which is a portal to hell. Or she turns into a three-headed lizard and eats you. So I covered her on a long past episode. And I don't remember what episode it was, but I do remember a little girl turning into a three-headed lizard. So we, so there's that, right? But that's when you have to summon. That's basically the foot-tapping equivalent of summoning a ghost. If you're not tapping your foot, no genitals are going to be popping underneath your stalls. So... Don't don't tap your foot. You're good. Don't knock and go, are you there, Hanako-san? Stuff like that. But let's look at some ghosts who just kind of don't mind their own business. There's one known as Kashimi. Oh, power, power is... Oh, that's kind of spooky. Like, I'm talking about these ghosts and the lights are starting to flicker. There's a bit of a storm going on right now. Oh, I don't want to finish recording this episode. <laughs> you, guys are, you guys are cool with me ending this episode here, right? Kashimo Riko. Kashimi, sorry, I did not pronounce that right the first time. Kashima Rico. And actually, pronouncing stuff is really important with this one. So I probably should have done more research. Kashima Rico. So apparently, this girl, either by her own act of suicide, or some like people like threw her in front of it, or it was an accident, she gets chopped in half by a train. <laughs> It's not a chainsaw train. That was the sound of a train like driving by real fast. Chops this girl in half. Now, 
For some reason, she also haunts bathrooms. Not bathrooms on trains or bathrooms near trains, but any bathroom in Japan. You could be sitting in the bathroom doing your business and you hear a It's the sound of somebody dragging their spine on the ground. They're using their elbows to move commando style, but they got no legs. So that's a sound you wouldn't you, know, you wouldn't hear that sound and go, hmm, that sounds oddly like a spine being dragged across the ground. I can hear the spinal fluid pooling. No, you would not, like, you understand the sound of, like, a shotgun or a sword. Sling! That's not a sound. You wouldn't be able to place that sound. But apparently, it's a very distinct sound. And you can hear it walking in the bath or crawling in the bathroom towards you. And you're in your stall. See, I told you this is going to get spooky. You're in this stall, and you hear a... And you'll see come underneath the stall. You tell me which one's creepier. You'll see underneath the stall a girl with no lower half of her body crawling into the bathroom with you, crawling into your stall with you. Or is that creepy? That's creepy, obviously. But is that creepy? Or is for you to be hearing that noise and then it stops and you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know what it was, and then you look up and it's staring at you from the top of the stall. Now, in that version, you don't know that she's half a person, right? In that version, you just think it's some creepy girl hanging over the side, but it's still spooky. What's spookier? Seeing someone slide under, I guess, the, the I guess the one where you've noticed that they're only half a person is the spookiest one. But I also think, like, looking up and seeing someone staring at you over the stall is absolutely terrifying as well. But anyway, she asks you, you didn't have to invoke this one. She just comes to you while you're going to the bathroom. She'll ask you a question. These Japanese ghosts are quite interactive. She asks you a question. She goes, where are my legs? And who's got my big toe? She, um, who, where? She actually asks, uh, where are my legs at? And you have to answer her. You can't ignore her. You have to answer her. You have to tell her, and this is why pronunciation is important for this one, you have to tell her they're at the Maishin Expressway. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. So if you ever get attacked by this one, or think you might, I would recommend going to the show notes, looking up the pronunciation, but you have to say, the Maishin Expressway. If you say that, she scuttles away to go find her legs. If you tell her, I don't know, or you don't have any idea where her legs are, or you give her a different place, she rips you in half. And now you scoot around with no legs. Now, the the assumption I'm assuming is that you become a ghost as well. So maybe at this point, there's been hundreds of... There's not the same one. Maybe Kashima, maybe you might run into one of Kashima's victims. But you still have to say that her legs are at Mission Expressway. I don't even know if that's a real place. I guess I should have looked that up. It's like, this tourist destination has these ancient Japanese towers, this koi pond, and a pile of rotting girls' legs. We don't know where they come from. Every day there's a new pair. But, you know, come enjoy the scenery. <clears throat> What's interesting is that Kashimi is actually a subset. Jap Japan actually has an entire type of demon called a teki or a tiki. And it's a girl who's been chopped in half by a train. It's its own subspecies of demons. But generally, they carry scythes and they cut you in half. There's a horror movie called Tiki. Now, I didn't watch the horror movie in preparation of this episode. I was too busy just laying and laying and taking my temperature every hour, afraid that I'm super sick. 
But I did watch a five-minute um, YouTube video where people took the best scenes of the movie and put it to some uh, uh, <laughs> uh, some Linkin Park song. So it's like, dying in my skin. And there's like this girl crawling. These wounds, they will not Basically, it was a, what do they call it, alternate audio video or something like that. But anyway, so I watched one of those. I read the synopsis. Standard Japanese fare, but Kashimi is a, I've, I think I've made a record for his different pronunciations of a name. Each time it's different in such a short amount of time. His Japanese ghost is actually one of many legless ghosts. But not all of them appear in bathrooms. Not all of them ask where their legs are. A lot of times they just cut you, cut you down. So very, very weird. Very weird thing. We got this other Japanese bathroom um, ghost. This was the first one I came across. Aka Manto. Aka Manto. This one wins the award for being the most annoying one. <laughs> Easily the most inconvenient. But getting your legs chopped off is pretty inconvenient. But this one. Generally, these happen in girls' restrooms. Which I think that it kind of makes sense. Because on one hand, when a boy's telling the story, the girls' restrooms seem like the most forbidden place. Right? Like... The boys' restroom, you go and you get each other in headlocks and you throw each other in the toilets and stuff like that. But the girls' restroom, you don't know what's going on over there. And girls tell these stories just because they're scared all the time. And girls' restrooms are also a... It has a lot to do with their changing bodies and stuff like that. It's kind—it's not as mystical. Boys see girls' restrooms as some weird Shangri-La clubhouse. Don't know what's going on in there. I remember when I was a little kid... I went into a girl's room at my church. They had a couch in there. They had flowers. I was like, what in the world? This is awesome. I know they made a joke about that on The Office, too, where they, they took over the girl's restroom. Because it, it was like had a couch in it. It was a different setup. So they generally don't do that at public restrooms. I mean, churches and stuff like that, but not out in the public. But I think that the girl's restroom for girls, it's a place of... Like, my body's changing. I don't know. I could be over <laughs> overreaching on that one. but Or a place of solitude that they can go to and cry when they can't decide who to date, Jughead or Archie. And guys, it's just a weird, mystical place that we're not allowed to go into. We're not allowed to go in there. But anyway, so I think a lot of these involve the girls' restrooms for that. But also, this one, you go into the girls' restroom. Now, normally, it's the last stall. And I've said this. I've used to be a janitor in my life. From my own experience, there is something creepy about girls' restrooms myself. Not creepy in the sense that girls are creepy, but they do seem to be... They seem to be charged with a different emotional energy than boys' restrooms or men's restrooms. They really do. Like, yeah, when I was a kid, I was like, ooh, a couch. But, I mean, how often as a man or a boy do you go into a bathroom for some solitude to cry? Unless it's your own bathroom at home. Um, You don't want anyone to see you cry. But... Like a public restroom or like a, a college restroom, things like this. They see a girls' restroom seems to have a different seem to have a different emotional energy than a boys' restroom. So that's another reason I and I, I've experienced that myself. I don't like going into girls' restrooms, which is fine. I I only do it when I'm a janitor or when I've had to go in and clean them up. And two, there's something about the last stall. It's always the last stall in these places. I thought it was interesting in the Hanako one, you go to like the third stall, but this one's specifically the last stall. You go into the last stall, and right before you go to wipe, 
a figure, very, very inconvenient, right? Like, you've already done your business, but I guess it could have been worse. You could have been mid-poop and this creature appears. Right before you pull that first piece of toilet paper and go to wipe, this figure appears. It's a man. Supposedly a very handsome man, but his face is covered by a mask. And he's draped in a red cloak. His name's Akamanto. His name actually means red cloak or red cape. And he asks you, red paper or blue paper? And you go, well, uh, I've seen The Matrix, and I, uh, I'll i pick the red one, because then I'll go on an adventure. Red paper. And then he flays your skin off. <laughs> Takes it off, making you look like a big old pile of SpaghettiOs. Super gross. So now, rewind it. So now you get a second chance. You go, well, I'm not going to do that again. I hate SpaghettiOs. Blue paper. And he goes, blue paper. And he goes, blue paper. And then he suffocates you until your skin turns blue. Or he sucks all your blood out until you turn blue. You get the idea. Basically, what whatever color you pick is the color you'll be when you die. Now, some people have gotten smart, so they don't pick red or blue. And, and I would get smart just by not using the last stall in the girls' restroom. I'd be like, I'm holding it till I get home. Because the last time I was in there, some dude appeared and tried to turn me into SpaghettiOs. And I was like, no. If you say yellow, if you pick a different color, like one person would say yellow, they get drowned in a toilet full of pee. So you definitely don't want to pick brown. Whatever color you pick, the creature will find a way to kill you to make you look that color. Like if you pick pink, he could just like pinch your cheeks and they get all pink and rosy. And then like all the blood rushes to your cheeks and the rest of your body starves. If you picked green, he would uh, probably like bury you in the swamp. This guy, I'm sure you, I think, I'm sure there would be a game where you could try to come up with colors like you're like fuchsia. And he's like, ah, trying to figure it out. But again, he's also a demon, so he might know the answer to it. So you, how do you get away from this guy, right? Well, you, this is an easy one. You just ignore him. If he appears and he goes red paper or blue paper, you just finish wiping and then you walk past him and leave. Which is actually kind of kind of a lame ghost. Like he has the ability, he has the ability to no matter what color you pick out, you pick ultraviolet. He's like, uh, turns you into a dying star, giving off gamma bursts. He has the ability to do all these things, but you or you can just walk away from him. This is one of those ones that I'm sure a lot of kids talked about because these are all. This one dates back to the 1930s. Akamanto dates back to the 1930s. This urban legend's been around. It's one of those things that I'm sure if, like, you were a kid, that would be terrifying to hear. Oh, the power is going out. That would be terrifying to hear, right? That you go into a um, bathroom and this thing appears. But then you would start to act logically. You'd go, well, how does anyone know that? Well, one day Nancy went in there and then, like, she turned in a bunch of SpaghettiOs. Yeah, but you don't know which one she picked. Like, the only way you would know these things is if someone... Picked one of these things, was killed by them, and then was able to tell people they were killed by them, right? So it's one of those urban legends that that doesn't really, and most urban legends don't pass this either. They don't pass the nudge test. Once you start to put a little bit of weight on it, kind of goes away. But we're not just going to talk about Japanese ghosts. Because I, when I started this, I was just going to do a segment on Japanese ghosts. I wasn't going to talk about the weird symbology of the bathrooms. And I wasn't going to talk about this, but then I thought there's a lot of stuff we can talk about in in bathrooms, right? Because bathroom ghosts aren't only around in Japan, right? There's haunted bathrooms all over the world. 
There's not not as many as I thought there were, but I did find a couple ones. There is, uh, in the Empire State Building, there was a woman back in the 80s. She was standing on the observation tower, and this woman walks up to her, and she was dressed like in World War II clothing. <laughs> Again, I don't know what that means. She's dressed in a full uniform. She was a Japanese girl. And the woman goes, <clears throat> my husband, he died during the war. He died during the war. And I, that's it. I'm out. I'm going to kill myself. And the person on the observation deck was, whoa, 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 whoa. No, that's way too much information. That's kind of an info dump on me. And the woman took off her jacket and then walked through. Apparently, the Empire State Building has something called a suicide barrier. I don't know if they do, but that's what this story said. She walked. And if they do, I don't think it's called the suicide barrier. It's probably just called a wall. But anyways, she walks through it and then jumps off the building. And the, the person was like, oh, and she ran and she looked over the side of the building. The girl wasn't there. And then she ran into the bathroom to throw some water on her face. And then she looked up in the mirror and the woman was standing behind her. And then the woman leaves the bathroom and the, the witness is totally shaken. And she follows the ghost. She knows this is a ghost now. Follows her back out onto the observation deck and the ghost <laughs> jumps off the building again. And one witness said she had seen this ghost. What happens is the ghost will jump off the building. Appear in the bathroom, walk out of the bathroom, jump off the building, appear in the bathroom, walk out the bathroom, jump. It's weird. It's all, I've heard of ghosts like replaying the events. I don't think I've ever heard of them replaying the events that quickly afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like if you stand on this chair on Halloween, hand comes out of it. And then if you continue to stand on the chair every 30 seconds, the hand will continue to reach out like some puppet. But this one is in a constant feedback loop. It's almost like the only way you could stop it is by not observing it. Is by not observing it in the first place. But anyways, we have that one. We also, this one's a little more uplifting. We have Scott Stapp. He's the lead singer, former lead singer of the band Creed. With arms wide open. And he was having a rough go of it. He was having some sobriety issues. He was trying to stay off of alcohol. Maybe drugs. I, but I know he had an issue with alcohol. And he also was trying to be in the band Creed at the time. And he goes, oh, you know what? I need to be in this band and I need to stop doing these drugs. But I also need to buy this tour bus that used to be owned by Scott Weiland, the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots, who died of a drug overdose in the bathroom in the tour bus. I don't know if that is true. I do know that he died, but I don't know if he actually died in the tour bus bathroom. But according to this story, Scott Stapp buys this bus. And one day the bus is driving down the road and Scott Stapp is walking through the bus and he's just like, oh, I need to drink and I, or, or, and or maybe do drugs. I, I don't know. I don't know what else I was addicted to, but I know I'm not in a good spot. And he walked into the bathroom and then the ghost of Scott Weiland appears in the mirror and says, Scott Stapp, we have the same first name. He didn't say that. He goes, listen, dude, get your act together because you can be exactly where I'm at i.e. dead from a drug overdose. You got to get your stuff together. Uh, the actual quote that Scott Stapp said, Scott Weiland said was, dude, this could have been you. This is the actual quote. Dude, this could have been you. And this could be you if you continue that path. Don't do what I did. Don't go down that road. And then he continues to say, uh, Scott Stapp on this experience says, it was definitely one of those God moments. I get goosebumps right now just talking about it. It was a God moment. So good stuff can come out of a haunted bathroom too, right? Now, it's interesting. I want to do a, a couple true crime bathroom stories. But before we move on from that, 
There's an author named Michael Dylan Foster. He wrote a book called The Book of Yokai, Mysterious Creatures of Japanese Folklore. And he has this quote about bathrooms, why bathrooms are so creepy. Quote, the bathroom is a somewhat unusual space in a household or school or wherever it exists. It empties into another realm, the sewer. And in that sense, the bathroom is a place of transition. And the toilet in particular is a portal to a mysterious other world. Even though we generally flush things down, it would not seem surprising for something mysterious to come up through the toilet. I think that's over... I think that's an overread on it. I think the reason... Because bathrooms are creepy. And public bathrooms are creepy. Are... I think bathrooms are creepy for a couple different reasons. One, it's you're you're alone. You're not only alone, but you're in your most vulnerable state outside of sleeping, right? Your your pants are down. There's mirrors everywhere, which mirrors are pretty creepy in and of themselves. The lighting, the lighting's bad. They tend to stink. There's also another ghost that smelled like poop walking around. That was in Scotland. If you want to go there, it's the Dumfries house. There's not much to that. There's some huge mansion. And there was a ghost that smelled, specifically not just poop, he smelled like diarrhea. You'd be on a ghost tour. It wouldn't be a ghost tour. They're like, look at this great Fabergé egg and look at this fancy chest. And then you'd smell poop all over the place. Diarrhea. That was the last of those ghosts. But anyways, I, I don't necessarily think it's because the toilet's a portal to the underworld. I think it's that you're alone, you're vulnerable, and you're basically when you're sitting on a toilet, then your pants are down around your ankles. And if something happens, you are caught out. So I think you're already creeped out by that. And then you just add being young and being alone. And then all these urban legends are going to start off and things like this. Washing your face, looking up in the mirror, seeing something behind you. Very, very common trope in horror movies. It doesn't surprise me that real life ghost stories have that same thing. And we also do a lot of thinking in bathrooms, whether you're in the shower or sitting on a toilet. They do seem to contain... I said earlier about the the girls' restroom seems to be more emotionally charged. My theory is this. You have a... That's where a woman will go to, or to like, freak out, right? They'll go, they'll sit in the bathroom, they'll sit in the handicapped stall, they'll sob silently to themselves. But I think that they can charge all this emotional energy they're getting picked on at school. They're getting picked on at work. All of this stuff. They go in. They sit there. They're just releasing all this emotional energy. And after 10, 20 years of these women's restrooms, I think that it can just like a sponge. Because they do feel creepier. They do feel creepier. But you want to know something that's really creepy. Let's go to the true crime stories involving public restrooms. I'm going to give you, I'm going to tell you guys this. This part's rough. This part's rough. So if you guys want to bow out now, I'll see you guys tomorrow because it's going to get into some dark stuff. One of these stories disturbed me for a long time. So if you guys want to bow out, it's totally fine. Dead Rabbit Radio, I'll check you guys tomorrow. Let's get into some true crime involving public restrooms. There's really, when we talk about true crime involving public restrooms, there's one big case that I remember when it happened. I was alive when it happened. I was old. I was um, uh, in my 20s when it happened terrifying 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 story 1998 oceanside california there was a family reunion going on and there was an aunt there's like this roadside bathroom like a gas station bathroom or something like that and this nine-year-old boy yeah that's that's this nine-year-old boy named matthew chechi had to go to the bathroom had to go to the bathroom and his aunt goes okay i'll stand outside the bathroom so the boy goes into the restroom, 
And then it's a public restroom, right? This guy walks in after Matthew. This guy named Brandon Wilson. He walks in. He's a homeless man. He's a drifter. Walks into the bathroom. <laughs> Three, four minutes pass. If that. And the man walks out of the bathroom and walks by the ant and goes, what is this? And just keeps walking, like just beelines. And she gets this weird feeling. She, the kid was out of view for minutes. Three, four minutes. She gets this weird feeling. She goes in the bathroom. Kid slit from ear to ear. Bleeding out. I mean, it was that fast that she comes in. He was still bleeding. Between the time the guy walked in. What happened was the guy walked in and just slit the kid's throat. And then turned around and walked out. And said that to his aunt and took off. And it took him days to find the guy. Because he's a drifter. That's the thing. You don't, they don't have, I don't want to go on a huge anti-hobo rant. They're really hard to track down. The way they caught him was he ended up stabbing another woman a couple days later. And then he stopped and let her go. And she starts running down the street and he goes, nah, never mind. And then he chases her down and starts stabbing her again. And a bunch of the woman's co-workers wrestled him off. And she survived. And this guy, though, killed this kid. He told the cops, I'd do it again. Had no emotion about killing the kid at all. Admitted that if he had the chance, he would do it again. And then he went to prison where he got the death penalty. And then he hung himself 13 years later to the week of the boy's murder. Hung himself. That story. So that happened in 1998. So I was probably about 21 when that happened. That story terrified me. That story sent a chill through, I think, everyone. Everyone. I think that really. Because you think minutes passed. Minutes passed. This kid walks into this bathroom. Terrifying story. Terrifying story. There's another one, though. We're going to circle back around like this. I really tried finding an article on this. I'll see if I can continue to find something and put it in the show notes. I think I read it in a book that was written in the 70s, so it's a lot harder to find this source. But I told you about people tapping their foot, hooking up, having gay sex in bathrooms. Well... You, I said it's dangerous for a couple different reasons. One, a lot of times cops would do it. Cops would, they need to go get a bust. They would go into the bathroom, tap their foot, and then they'd make the motion. Guy would expose himself in public. Hey, buddy, you're under arrest. This is the police department. Take him downtown, whatever. Because the police is anti, it was the vice squad, basically. They would take down people like that. They would go after homosexuals. So... Getting arrested is far better than what has happened as well, because what we've seen is there was a serial killer who who was attacking gay men. And he would go to these bathrooms. And I wish I could find the guy's name. I don't remember this, but I remember reading this because, again, quite horrific. You would tap your foot. And then he would tap his foot and he would do this little rigmarole until eventually you would expose yourself to him. And then the next thing you would know was the whole lower half of your body was dripping wet. There was one survivor of this. They did catch the guy eventually. A couple people died. One guy survived this. Maybe two people survived. But anyways, they did catch the guy. They, um, you'd get down on your knees to expose yourself. And he said, the, the victim goes, I just felt myself completely wet. My lower half was wet. And the next thing I knew, I was on fire. What this guy did, he was some weirdo, serial nut job, serial killer, crazy, lunatic arsonist 
who either, who knows why he was doing this stuff. Who knows why he was doing this stuff. But he was targeting gay men. He would spray lighter fluid on him and then light him on fire and then run out of the bathroom. And the guy would be completely burned. And I remember, oh, I was reading this this article. I was reading this book. And the guy was in the hospital recovering. He's like, like it, I have, like I still have a penis, but it's just basically all scar tissue. Now, this is so. It's basically all like scarred up. He goes every time I get an erection, blood just shoots out of it. Like you know, you're trying to put water in a in a sieve. He didn't actually use that analogy, but he goes every time we get an erection because there'd be holes in it. It just <laughs> which actually now that I say that, why how was he getting erections in the hospital to begin with? But apparently he was, and he was horribly scarred from this. Now, I don't know. Let's assume, because I'm an optimist, that eventually that all got cured and it healed up and he was able to live a total normal life. But that's the real danger with hooking up with strangers. Tinder and Grindr and all of these apps and all really any, even Match.com, OkCupid, all this stuff. I've always been very, very nervous about just meeting people you don't know. But again, that's me. I'm from an older generation, but me like... Meeting people that I don't really know or haven't been vetted through social circles. Like, obviously, if I'm dating a girl that is at my work, I can assume she's passed the background check. I can assume she's passed the drug test. Or uh, meeting someone who's in, not in my social circle, but in one of my friend's social circles, they've kind of been vetted. The idea of just going on the phone, picking a picture, going to hook up with that person. I'm not going to say that I haven't done it, but I'm. it's definitely very, very... I'm very paranoid about doing it. Uh, I did have a blind date once, and it went so horribly. I told the girl I thought I was turning into a vampire, um, but and she didn't leave. I just wanted her to leave. I wanted her to be polite. I told her I felt my organs were shifting inside of me. It, it was a disastrous blind date. I also told her I had a talking cookie in my fridge. She wouldn't leave. She she would not leave. I did have a cookie in my fridge. I didn't talk, but I did consider it one of my roommates. The point is, is that. I don't, I don't try, I don't like, I don't obviously don't like going on blind dates and, um, like using the phones, but back in the, back before there was even phones, you didn't even have that. You couldn't even look at a picture. I mean, it's dangerous to pull out your phone and go, Hmm, that's your age. And that's your geographical location. Vis-a-vis me. I'm going to hook up with you. That's, that's safer in a way than I'm going to stick my junk underneath this metal door to a total stranger in a public restroom. Because again, best case scenario is you get off. Worst case scenario is you get murdered or set on fire. So whether it's an arcane combination of hand-waving and foot-tapping that you honestly can do accidentally, guys, so be careful, that will have dudes trying to bang you, or ghosts that you can summon or just appear themselves in your stall, ready to take your soul to the underworld. Or even more terrifying, serial killers and maniacs in the stall next to you. You never know what you're going to run into in the bathroom. When you go into the bathroom and you see someone's pooped all over the seat, it's all super disgusting, you kind of got to like grab stuff with your elbow and like throw paper down and it takes you a while to clean the seat up just so you can go to the bathroom. You're always dismayed and disgusted by that. But it could be worse. It could be far, far worse. Admittedly, that's pretty disgusting, but it could be worse. So I recommend you guys, when you do use a public restroom, be vigilant. Make sure when you look in the mirror, there's not a suicide ghost behind you. Before you wipe, just remember, don't pick any colors. And no matter how much you love that song that's playing on the radio, 
don't tap your feet or you might get a surprise you didn't expect coming. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Bye.